Hello there, children. This week on Ultra 64, we're playing South Park Chef's Love Shack, so get ready to suck on some chocolate salty balls. Welcome, everyone, to Ultra 64. We are the Internet's comprehensive Nintendo 64 podcast. Each and every week, we are playing a different randomly selected game from the Nintendo 64. And we're making a big old party out of it this week. Uh, my name is Steve Guntley. Hello, I am vivacious, bikini-clad babe Woody Siskowski. <laughs> it's true. And it's winter, too. Yeah, like I, I appreciate your dedication I, I, to that I, All for the show, man. All for the show. Oh, we've got a whole crew here with us today. You first heard of them all together on the very first Mario Party episode we did three goddamn years ago, and I've dragged them into every one of these party games ever since. They've all been very game and very willing to play along. Firstly, in the studio here, Nicole Vatisse. Hi, Nicole. Hi, thanks for having me. Welcome back. And on the line, we have Rosie Crow and Dan Reese. How are you guys doing? Good. Although I must say, this I'm really slumming it in this episode. I usually only come on the show for good games. <laughs> it's true. Yeah, you've got one of the best track records of anybody. Uh, and this week, that might get a little bit spoiled. Rosie, she brought down her, it's, it's her median, right? <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like a certain standard of quality that she upheld, and now the average decimal value is going down. For those of you charting it at home. She's still at a Rotten really Tomatoes th- fresh, but you know, <laughs> yeah. it's kind of like just on the cusp now. She's, she's about to get uh, review bombed by all the DC nerds. Yes, <laughs> yes. <laughs> and Dan's yeah. whole thing is going to be thrown off because there's no giant apes in this game that I could find. No. There's like a Yeti. <laughs> Well, I, didn't, I didn't get to the Yeti part. Oh, yeah. Well, I guess technically he's a scuzzlebutt if, if you pay attention to the show. This show is or this game is very, very reliant on you remembering the first season of South Park. Uh, so Dan uh, is kind of like uh, the Job of Ultra 64 in the sense that he unwillingly was dragged into the role of party attendee to play the Mario Party games that he did not enjoy. Yeah. And now he has been dragged in to play these worst game that he I'm. I don't know, Dan. Maybe I'm making an unfair assumption. I'm guessing you did not enjoy this game either. Uh, I did not. Uh, okay. But uh, my, uh, it hasn't changed my my medium in the way that it has uh, Rosie's. It's uh, <laughs> you, you've do? been giving me I, I probably more consistently uh, normal N64 games to play, so my sure. standards are so much lower. Well, and you had to watch uh, the Phantom Menace with us, which I feel oh, like is, it really drags uh, it down. Yeah, that was that was a rough time for you. Yeah, but I, I I think I think Dan's rankings and Nicole's rankings too kind of more accurately reflect uh, what the N64 is, while Rosie's got like five or six Stone Cold classics. What it it wants to be. If you just listen to the Rosie episodes, you're going to think the N64 is perfect. Uh, That's how I was feeling, and then I played this, and I was like, what have you guys been doing for three years? This is so painful. It's a question we ask ourselves every day. Uh, Well, today we are talking about the game South Park Chef's Love Shack, L-U-V. This is the third separate episode we've done about (laughs) South Park just because of the way it shook out. Like, Turok and South Park together at last. Go figure, go figure. Like, there were three very different South Park games that didn't really fit together in one episode. So, like, I don't know. (laughs) They fit together in terms of standards of quality and being being based on. Yeah, exactly. 
weird, gross early South Park. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I mean, this one's kind of noteworthy in a sense that you could you could possibly call this the first Mario Party clone, but honestly, I think it might be closer to a You Don't Know Jack clone. I don't know. What do you that that it, it's kind of a hybrid of both, but like, well, I, I will say like I like the structure of this game. Yeah. Like, I I think that it's neat. You know, one thing I don't like about Mario Party is there is a lot of fat in the, in the <laughs> world of Mario Party. There's a lot of gristle you got to chew through to get to the quote unquote good stuff of uh, bumper balls and uh, you know that fishing game where you reel in the glove. Oh right, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> whereas this game, this game is real trim in the sense that there's about. Yeah. 20 minutes of content on your $60 cartridge. Yes, yes. We haven't gotten into the backstory. Was this a full price? Like they like they were selling it for sixty dollars. Pretty game? sure it was. I feel yeah, like below sure. sixty dollars games were just rare in general. Like, yeah, it didn't wow. generally happen very much. Um, wow. not worth it. <laughs> now I, I know Nicole and I are big fans of You Don't Know Jack. We played quite a lot of that. Do you mm-hmm. think this uh, stacks up in any way to that? No, I mean. I think the biggest problem for me is there's just some things I'm like, I don't even know what that is because it's so specific to South Park. Yeah, right. That's that's the weird thing. Like the trivia questions, like I would be okay if it was just South Park or just general trivia. Yeah, but but something jumping back and forth. If there was more delineation, I'm actually I'm okay with there being both of them. But if there's more delineation of like what is what, because like, yes, they'll, they'll just start reading something that is a South Park reference. But they they ask a question about Robert Smith, yeah, aka frontman of the Cure. But because that in quest- one episode he turns into a Godzilla and he fights Mecha Streisand. Right, but they don't they don't <laughs> yeah. like tell you that that's a reference to South Park in the question, or there's no like uh, overhead meter that's like you know local trivia time or something right. like that. Yeah, and we then- we had uh, we had a question that was phrased as uh, is the band Loverboy. Was it was it Canadian or does it suck or both? And it was this. this I, I don't know whether we got the question right or wrong, or whether because I didn't understand the prompt, if we weren't able to get it writ to register at all. Mm. But I still don't know what the right answer is. <laughs> it was almost. I mean, I appreciate the like getting rid of the fat in Mario Party, but it was so fast that I like couldn't process what was being asked. Also, yeah. I didn't realize that you had to buzz in with yeah. the A button. Yeah. So we played an entire game where I thought only Dan got to answer the question. <laughs> <laughs> but we were both failing all the trivia but we were questions. Fa- none of us knew because anything. Because we were not buzzing in. But like, we just didn't understand what was happening at all. There was no prompt yeah, of I how you were going to play. That was a big issue with this game is I think there were a lot of times when I was like, what am I supposed to be doing? And how do I know who's like... It didn't really like tell you who won the like competition of who pressed it first, and so you'd yeah. be like, "Okay, did I win? Is it moving because of me, answer? or is the yeah. other person moving it?" Like, and it's it's not like the gameplay is complex. It's just not very well explained. It's right. something about the pacing is just kind of off. Before we get too much further into the game, uh, I want to go into a little bit of the backstory. <coughs> excuse me, of the character of Chef <laughs> because it's surprisingly fascinating. Firstly. This game, South Park Chef's Love Shack, was released December 1st, 1999. This was developed by Acclaim Studios Austin, and it was published by Acclaim. This was also released on Windows, PlayStation, and Dreamcast. And this is kind of a momentous moment, too, because this is the very last time we're going to talk about Acclaim. Not just on this show, but on the next show as well, (laughs) because uh, Acclaim did not survive much longer than this. 
but they were very prolific developers yeah. for the Nintendo 64. A quick shout out to their games. Forsaken 64, Shadow Man, the two NHL Breakaway games, the four NFL QB Club games, the two Extreme G games, Revolt, the three All-Star Baseball games, Iggy's Wrecking Balls, two NBA Jams, ugh, uh, <laughs> WWF Attitude, ECW Hardcore Revolution, Our Marines, three South Park games, and Jeremy McGrath's Supercross 2000. It's um, like at least 20 games. Pretty, mostly yeah. pretty bad. I would say <laughs> sure. uh, of these. Well, well, you're saying what? If you're going to release 20 games in four years, they're not going all going to be great. Somehow, <laughs> like, shockingly, like yeah. the only ones of these I would actually say go and play are uh, uh, Forsaken, Shadow Man, and it, strangely Iggy's Wrecking Ball, which sure. was weirdly fun. Um, but yes, thank you, Acclaim, for for all the output, uh, and uh, it was it was fun digging into all that. But now let's take a trip back to the 1970s so we can talk about a guy <laughs> named Isaac Hayes. So uh, when, well, we'll jump around a little bit. In 1997, <laughs> when South Park was being created, Trey Parker and Matt Stone had the idea of introducing this character to the South Park canon. It was loosely based on an actual cafeteria worker that they had when <laughs> they were at college at CU Boulder. And uh, so they wanted... They, they knew they wanted like a classic 70s R&B guy. So they approached Lou Rawls. They approached Barry White. They both passed. But Isaac Hayes uh, was very eagerly on board. So Hayes was a legendary composer, songwriter, and singer. He got his start writing songs for uh, Sam and Dave. The, the biggest hit that he had in the early part of his career was Soul Man. He wrote that song <gasps> for them in 1967. Classic. That hit number two on the Billboard Top 100, and it has been regarded as one of the most influential pop songs maybe ever. Um, in 1971, Hayes became only the third African-American to win a competitive Oscar when he got the uh, uh, best supporting or the best song Oscar for the film Shaft. Uh, of course, a mm. classic theme from Shaft, Shut Your Mouth. I'm only talking about Shaft. <laughs> uh, really great song. He won two Grammys for that song and uh, as well, and this was like a huge, huge hit. He spent much of the 80s and 90s kind of taking on film and TV roles. You'll remember him for small parts in uh, Escape from New York uh, and Robin Hood Men in Tights. Uh, in 1997, when South Park was being shopped around, he was pretty well established, and he was kind of game about parodying himself at this point. Mm -hmm. Like, he recorded a, uh, a parody of the Shaft theme song for the movie Beavis and Butthead Do America, okay. uh, which was pretty fun. And then he played him. He played a Isaac Hayes impersonator on an episode of The Fresh Prince. So he was at that <laughs> level where he could realistically have like successful. So like, what what is the Isaac Hayes like persona? Not non parody. Like, uh, Isaac Hayes like. Right. His whole thing is about being smooth and cool. You know? It's not that different from the character of Chef, except he's not a cafeteria worker at an elementary school. Exactly, exactly. Is that he's the got, only difference? He's got, like, the deep, sexy voice, and he kind of talks, sings a lot of his songs, and uh, big sunglasses, kind of, like, flashy wardrobe. You know, he was a cool dude. Uh, so the character of Chef, whose real name was later to revealed to be Jerome McElroy, there's a little uh, <laughs> nugget for people. <laughs> He's one of the few adults in South Park that Stan, Kyle, Kenny, and Carpenter can actually seek out for advice. And uh, he became kind of a fan favorite character in the early going. It also helped that he was like the only name to be attached to the show at this point. Because sure. like, oh, whoa, the guys who made Orgasmo, who gives a shit? <laughs> I only saw that movie. Um, so it was it was very helpful in the early going. So in 1998, he became the focus of the first South Park album, Chef Aid, uh, which is an album I own and have listened to many, many times. 
I think I've discussed my uh, my complicated relationship with the show South Park in past episodes, but I, wanna, I was all in around this time. Yeah, L- Rosie and Dan, we kind of shoveled you guys into playing this as a party game, but did you have any, do you have any attachment to South Park as a brand? Was it something that you oh, yeah. watched? Yeah, and- I was just the right age for South Park. Um, I had just, uh, just come of age in the days of Beavis and Butthead, and uh, I remember uh, Billy Lind uh, at the the a kid in my high school was so excited. He uh, he had recorded on his uh, audio tape recorder the first episode of uh, South Park. And we listened to it in the high school library. Just the audio. <laughs> Just the audio. But that was enough for me. I remember and doing then, that. Yep. Yeah. So it was it was as good as we could do um, until we finally um I was finally able to see it at home. Um, yeah, no, I, I, I loved this show. Uh, I did very well on the trivia questions on the game that were related <laughs> to stuff that happened in the first few seasons of the show. Um, I'm proud to say that I've grown to the point where I no longer really enjoy the show. But uh, <laughs> I, I do feel like they've maintained a certain consistency in terms of the quality of the product. Um, and they also uh, are able to... It's a weird thing with their... Um, uh, their production schedule is only about a week out, so they're actually able to stay topical, which is a strange thing for an animated show. Yeah, yeah, that's always been kind of a cool edge that they have. And Rosie, did you watch much of it? Um, I was a, a little too young for it when it was coming out. Mm-hmm. Um, oddly, my parents' family, we have a family business, like uh, my dad's side of the family, and it's a marina, but it was it's called South Park Marina. This oh, is- what the name of it was and so at the time like i think we got a lot of novelty south park goods like (laughs) i just remember us having like a set of the toys and it's because someone had like given it jokingly to my dad and so we just like had it even though we hadn't seen the show (laughs) like we knew it was a show that like bad kids watched but i mean also i was pretty young for it um we watched the simpsons though and that was a show for quote-unquote bad kids so who knows (laughs) But yeah, I watched it later more like I'm trying to remember the episodes that stick out to me, like the one where Jennifer Lopez falls in love with a taco. Sure. Like those are the things that I like that. And then, yeah, the politics of the creators, I have like yeah. uneasy like feelings about. I, I, I don't know how yeah. I feel. I've kind of been in the same boat. Now, Nicole is the only one besides me who grew up in Colorado, too. Were you exposed to this or did your parents? I, can, I can't see your parents allowing you to watch this. We were not allowed to watch this. No, but, yeah. but you know, it, you remember like being in Colorado and it's just kind of everywhere. There is a real town of South Park. It's basically just a, a, a bar and a convenience store. Yeah. But like, that's the place, right? Yeah. Remember, you'd hear we, the rumors about alien abductions. It always happened in South Park, you know? Sure. Yeah. Well, I never heard those rumors, but. <laughs> <laughs> we, we only, you were hanging out with the yeah. wrong crowd. Yeah. yeah. We only drove through there when we were going skiing. That was the main yeah, that's the thing. It, it's just kind of in between a couple of ski resorts. It's just like kind of a nothing town, but they still have weekly uh, screenings of the TV show out at the bar there. <laughs> sure. Um, anyway, a little bit more about Isaac Hayes. So uh, the, the Chef Aid album, it's it's a really weird beast because it's a combination of like skits and then there's some like older songs from real artists that they dub Isaac Hayes into like so that he's kind of like doing a duet, but it's clearly not a duet. <laughs> they just like... They tagged him in later to sing some backup <laughs> stuff. But you have like Ozzy Osbourne and Rick James and Elton John and a bunch of other bands on there. Like it's it's got some good stuff to listen to. But uh, the song Chocolate Salty Balls 
became a number one hit over in the UK and in Ireland. Uh, <laughs> I think it made it as high as number 14 on the charts here, which is not nothing for a song about sucking on chocolate salty balls. Uh, so a little bit of tension arose between Isaac Hayes and uh, Matt Stone and Trey Parker in 2006. So since 1993, Isaac Hayes was a uh, active member in the Church of Scientology, and he would often um, he, he would often defend Parker and Stone like when they came under fire for their views of like on religion or mm-hmm. any of the controversial stuff. He was usually pretty down, and he was kind of you know there with them. I mean, I would say the consistent belief for Parker and Stone is like if you believe stuff, it's dumb. Yeah, that's like, kind of the thing. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. and uh, so in in 2006, Isaac Hayes had a stroke. And then two months later, uh, he made a public announcement saying he was leaving the show because uh, they were doing an upcoming episode on Scientology that he found really personally offensive and that he wasn't going to participate in it anymore. Uh, Parker and Stone were very, very hurt by this, and they responded by killing off Chef uh, in the most (laughs) dramatic way possible. The whole episode just uses like very obviously very badly re-spliced dialogue from old chef episodes where they, they just splice it together to make random sentences to make it, but in like a very intentional way in a very intentional like they want way. to bring it f- front and center that they this character is not on here anymore they they had him uh get seduced by a cult of pedophiles uh and then at the end of it he he breaks away from them but then he falls off a cliff lands on a spiky rock and is torn apart by cougars uh <laughs> they bring him back as Darth Chef later uh <laughs> with a different voice but they really didn't use that very much the problem came around like is uh in about 2016 Isaac Hayes's eldest son uh sorry I'm hitting Nicole in the knee <laughs> Isaac Hayes's eldest son did an interview I think with Howard Stern where he said that Isaac Hayes did not quit the show that oh. he was kind of addled from his stroke and his representatives in the Church of Scientology Ooh. kind of stepped in and made that decision for him Interesting I I didn't wow. hear this this follow up That's the thing it, it was covered up for a long time and this is still just coming off of one guy's claim sure. but but Isaac Hayes the third uh Claims that his father loved doing the show and loved doing the character and didn't want to leave. Uh, huh? Hayes sadly died. Uh, he had another stroke uh, in 2008. He was 65 years old. Um, but I-, I thought that was kind of an interesting little twist on the end of that. Thing. Yeah. I'd only heard that he kind of got brainwashed by Scientology and quit. I didn't know that he might have been coerced into this or that his entourage might have made this decision without him. Sure. I mean, I think that the core element of him getting brainwashed by Scientology still applies. Yes. Um, sure. Yeah, yeah. No, totally. Sure. I, I feel and like it'd be hard. a profile of behavior for the, the I don't know. I, I feel like it would be hard if you were a celebrity to be like a casual Scientologist. Like, it, it yeah. seems like it's kind of like an all. I'm a reformed Scientologist. An all in type of thing. Like, I don't, I just drop by for some of the weekly search. I don't know. If you're a listener and you're a casual Scientologist, write in and tell us about uh, how your, your small commitment to the church. It's, <laughs> Well, I think there's a lot of people who have a small commitment. I think that generally if you are a high profile celebrity, um, you, you, you're not allowed to, to keep it small. I think they, they ramp up the pressure. And to be clear, like that episode of South Park where they're uh, lambasting Scientology did a lot of damage to the church's brand, like, because it revealed what Scientology's teachings, uh, Mm -hmm. uh, were and everybody thought it was a joke. They, the, they put the little disclaimer at the bottom. This is says, what this Scientologists is, this, actually yeah. believe. Yeah, they had yeah, to put a disclaimer at the, the bottom. For the Mormon show that's they true. did. Where that's why like, they did it. Yeah, yeah, because people didn't believe that the Mormon thing was accurate. And then uh, so they had to put that little disclaimer on the bottom. 
And it's all kinds of wild shit about aliens and volcanoes and souls. And like, it's, it's all very strange. And I think people, when they heard that, they're like, oh, really? That's what that's about, you know? So it did some damage. And uh, they specifically target Tom Cruise and John Travolta in that episode too, which uh, just kind of made them more irate. But I don't know. Interesting case. Kind of a sad, uh, kind of a sad story for Chef uh, and for Isaac Hayes. But I still think he's kind of a cool dude. So why, uh, why go into so much backstory about Isaac Hayes and Chef? Is he? Well, because Chef is front and center of this very video game we're talking about today. I uh, I pulled the plot of Chef's Love Shack from the manual. <laughs> oh boy! It, it, this feels like it was written by a ten-year-old. Uh, It says, quote, local cable access, birthright or butt wipe. Now, what does that mean? I just wanted to spend the whole podcast analyzing that sentence. Birthright or butt wipe. Anyway, I'm going to move past it. Uh, Grab some TP, kids, because it looks like the answer is number two. But Uh. until now, that is, check out this listing. Channel 69, Chef's Love Shack. Lovely swimsuit models compete to win a weekend of love with hot host chef. My, my. But what is this? It looks like the swimsuit models are all in women's prison visiting their friends because the talent coordinator couldn't book a single one before airtime. Instead, the dope booked Cartman, Kyle, Stan, and Kenny. Now it's Chef's Fun Shack, which really bites for Chef, but it's cool for you because you get to compete as one of the little two-dimensional miscreants. (laughs) Have fun as you compete in endless rounds of pointless questions and action games, (laughs) all to win $12. Sweet. So, so this I feel like this, all of this plot is accurately represented by an unskippable uh, intro sequence at the beginning of every game. Every time, even if no, you it's skippable. It's, it's skippable. It's very skippable. Yeah. Oh, I know. How would we know? We listened to they it multiple tell times. Us. We listened to it multiple times because we did our due diligence. <laughs> Maybe we're dum dums. Uh, <laughs> That's the other it, lesson. It might have changed. The, I don't know. The the whole thing of. Uh, the the prize is a, an erotic weekend with Chef, and they've swapped out the swimsuit models for uh, elementary school children. Yeah, uh, th- th- this is horrifying. <laughs> it's it's a, a horrifying yeah. premise. It's a horrifying premise completely, and like Chef I I like the idea the of like a, a competitive game show where you're just going for twelve dollars. I just think that's kind of <laughs> a funny concept, <laughs> but like. Dollars. They, they could have done more with this idea. Like, Chef could have been sniping at his producer who fucked up, like, the, the booking or something like that. They could have hit this joke harder. Like, the fact that it's supposed to be bikini models and instead it's four little boys showing up. Sure, but, like, that's a lot to add. Like, this game, for as low quantity as the content it is here, there is a lot of voice in, yeah. in this game. Yeah. Um, and I feel like to ask them to, like, get running gags going... Is kind of asking a, a lot. Yeah, um, for sure. In terms of, because I feel like audio and voice is sort of the thing that the Nintendo 64 struggles with the most. Yeah. Um, in terms of having high quality audio and a meaningful amount of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and this game does pull that off, which, like, I do think that the initial presentation of this game is good. I think out of the three South Park games we played, this one looks the best yes. because it looks like the show yeah the other ones it's it's an easy one to translate to a simple two-dimensional it looks like you're watching the show they're just a bunch of cardboard cutouts uh and that's Mm -hmm. what it's supposed to look like i always thought it was weird that they had a first person shooter uh where you're throwing snowballs uh because it just doesn't look like the show looks right no they look so weird it's like the simpsons problem when you put these characters in 3d they just look 
bizarre. Well, and they just lose a whole bunch of personality. And, like, I do think that the personality, like, just, you know, the the tone is very dumb, as evidenced by the uh, manual entry. Birthrider butt right. Yeah, exactly. Um, Birthrider butt right. But, like, the intro video that you give here of, like, Chef doing a little dance and then, like, sort of Las Vegas showgirls um, with the big headdresses looks very good. Yeah, um, they're singing and, the song Simultaneous off of the show. So, yeah. Uh, he's talking about simultaneous loving with all these women. Sure. <laughs> Um, but as as you pointed out, I'm like, wow, this looks great. And then you're like, well, this is the peak of the game. Yeah, so yeah. <laughs> enjoy it. it. You know, I mean, look, it, it maintains that aesthetic at least, yeah. but like the rest of it looks much choppier. Yeah. And, uh, well, it's uh, like what Nicole was talking about is the, the the presentation does not like if you were watching this game show on TV, it would look very undynamic is that what's the what's the word what's the opposite of dynamic uh uh, uh i don't know now stilted uh, flat there you go flat. yeah well i mean it should look flat but like when when it when you buzz in for something there needs to be like a zoom in on the character who's buzzed in so you're like oh i've buzzed in but no yeah, the camera just stays static yeah. so it's very unclear who actually won the buzz I was pretty surprised to see how many people are in the credits of this game. Like, everybody in the credits gets to be animated in the South Park style. They come out and take a bow. Mm-hmm. There's, like, wow. 50 people working on this game. Well, they and spent like, all the money on the credit sequence. <laughs> yeah, it's weird. Have. Like, the longest, you know, Mario Party is so overlong. One game of Mario Party. Even the shortest option of Mario Party takes, like, a half hour. Yeah. Here, the shortest option is two rounds, which probably takes... Six minutes less, yeah, right. which yeah. was welcome, honestly. <laughs> sure, yeah. and but then, I mean, even the longest setting is eight rounds, and that's yeah. maybe 20 minutes. That's maybe yeah. 20 minutes, yeah. the entire game. And in that time, you will likely see everything this game has to offer. You will likely he- read well, me- every question, you'll likely play every sure. mini game. <laughs> um, so yeah, the structure here is um, this game sort of alternates between trivia rounds and mini game rounds. Mm. So you have up to four players. You can weirdly play this game with one player. Which I did is, it. It was sad. It, yeah, it was sad is sad, sad is the word. And now, Rose, I, Rose, I you're, watched you're her like play a, single player Chef's Love Shack, and that was more sad. <laughs> oh my god! Because I mean, Rosie's like a, a defender of single player Mario Party. I We've razzed you it. about that before. I love it. I've done it this year. I've sadly partied alone, COVID style. But <laughs> I tried to do that with this game, and it was just like. What, what there, there's no computer players i just want no. to make this clear <laughs> it was just stan march alone <laughs> marsh excuse me like answering questions but like what was the point there wasn't even a, every, at the end of every, every round it was like you're in first place and i was like <laughs> you can't cool. win or lose you're just kind of there like it, yeah. it's it's a weird thing like I don't know if it's going to be multiplayer only. Make it multiplayer only. Don't give you, you the can, option. But you can't make it multiplayer only. You can't have a 64 game. That, like the amount. Yeah. I would be so. Because like there's not enough. Um, you you don't do enough research on games at this point. Like before you buy. You're just like, yeah, I like South Park. And then to get a game that's only playable in multiplayer just doesn't exist. But it, it yeah. thankfully is only playable in multiplayer. And I just like to point out that I looked up the inflation rate. In 1999, $60 today is $93.72. Yikes. So outrageous. If you basically spent almost $100 equivalent in a, like to play by yourself for sure. 20 minutes. How, okay, so how much content do you think is in this game? Like if you put every question if you I were just playing through it, every question in every mini game. Yeah, go I ahead, Dan. I suspect if you had four if you had if you did the eight round 
the longest version of the game a couple times you would start getting um, the same questions the second time. We that's I, the I thing. don't think there's that much content. We started getting repeat questions on our second playthrough. We did like a, a four round and then another four round, and we started getting repeats. Like you got an answer because you saw me answer it previously. Yeah. <laughs> and like... <laughs> Um, yeah, like I don't know the specifics of Demi Moore's boobs like you did, but like as soon as I'm that came familiar. up, I was like, okay, I know the answer to this one because Steve got it right last time. Um, he was my major. Yeah. <laughs> um, but this game doesn't, there's no like mechanism that tracks which questions you've answered before. Yeah. So each time you turn it off, you're just going to get a random assortment yeah. of questions, many of which you might have seen before. And like, I will say like multiple choice works way but like in terms of, i would rather play this game than the jeopardy game wow okay because in jeopardy like you have to type the answers and oh, like God. spelling they, they, yeah. they're like okay what's the capital of this state and right. you have to like spell it correctly he's like oh i'm sorry and you're like what the fuck fuck you digital alex trebek right rest yeah. In peace. yeah but like <laughs> rest in peace digital yeah. alex uh, but like in this game like it's simple it's just Jeopardy style, but then there's multiple choice questions. So it makes yeah. it click along much faster. Yeah, it goes yeah. quickly. Um, there are only 12 mini games that you choose from. So you do three questions and then you do a mini game round mm -hmm. uh, for up to four players. Three questions feels very light, like it's in terms of light. the round. Yeah, yeah. And the mini games are kind of, are, I think, almost exclusively just kind of takeoffs on old arcade games. Yeah, so we like, played Galaga and yeah. we played Space Invaders. Wait, a, those are the same game, Dan. There's a balloon fight there were, one. There's no, like a no, whack-a-mole. Asteroids, yeah, asteroids, asteroids. Yeah, that, that becomes asses in space, which I actually did prefer to the Asteroids game that we played on the N64. <laughs> it was exclusively Asteroids. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah, let's try to remember as much of these as we can. So the Galaga ones, you're kind of, you have bug spray and you're shooting up at bugs flying down at you. Yeah. Um, there's a Warlords knockoff, which I appreciate. Warlords, one of my favorite games yeah. where you're uh, defending your snowman from this ball uh -huh. bouncing around. Oh, yeah. Um, I did very bad at that. Yeah, there was a, one that actually yeah. reminded me a lot of like uh, uh, Flappy Bird or Jetpack Joyride, which <laughs> maybe is there's that... an older game that's like that where you have, an, you have a like parachute and you have to blow. Right. So yeah. I don't know what old game that's a takeoff on. That felt like Balloon Fight to me. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. Or, or Joust. Or Joust. It could be right. Joust as well. Uh, what, let's see. There was the tug of war. Okay, so the tug of war one is the tug the of only war was one. infuriating. Okay, <laughs> thank you. This is the only <laughs> well, one. We I don't think, know what happens. I think we're well, all in agreement won, on this. But I don't. Nobody knows why. <laughs> yeah. See, that happened to us too. I I won, and Steve was like, I don't understand, and I was like, I just kept doing things. <laughs> yeah. Like okay, so the instructions they give you are just to press A and B. You're just alternating A and B, trying to tug this rope. Yeah. Over it seems like it should pond. be the simplest thumb breaking style mini game that we're all so familiar with. Yeah. Except the problem. Problem is the moment you press these buttons, you start getting hard X's and buzzing sounds. So it's like, okay, so do we need to press like, do we just need to press it when they tell us to press it and then alternate? And we tried doing that, and it still kept buzzing like I, crazy. And I somehow figured it out by slowing down, but I have no idea like what I did correctly. Right. <laughs> like I, I was able to charge up my meter and beat Steve, but then I'm like, I don't know why I won. Um, speak. And then there's a pie eating mini game. Where yeah. You just, oh, yeah. I had another. I had another complaint about oh, yeah. the tug of war. Please. Please. Oh my the god. The timer on the tug of war was so long. Yes. Uh, it, we. 
we were already frustrated with it, and Rosie was yelling out, there's still 30 seconds left. <laughs> the timers felt really long for all the ones except the ones you didn't want, like the frog toss, which uh, it's like the, the time, that one you want to be a little longer because it takes a little bit to figure out how to dial in your, your frog There's like a, a power meter of how far you want to throw your frog to try and land them on these lily pads, yeah. but it is very precise and persnickety about accuracy, and it seems to end before you've even figured out what's going on. Yeah. Does anyone understand why sometimes we would both play the mini game, and then sometimes only one of us would play the mini game? No, we were I was curious about okay, that no as well. Because like randomly, we were playing. There was a whack a mole one, and they just dropped Woody out of it. Now I don't know. Did we did we spin the wheel before that? Because sometimes you'll get the the quote unquote wheel of fortuitousness. And it'll give you the option to play a minigame, but I don't remember spinning the wheel. Yeah, I, like well, that just like speaks to a bigger problem in general here. It's like I do appreciate that they've really simplified things on the game, but they don't. Ex- there's like game mechanics here they don't explain. Like the yeah. wheel just seems to come up randomly. Yeah. Nicole spun the wheel and then proceeded to go to jail, which. Which we had no, yeah, we have no idea what that meant, except that our officer Barb Brady came and said stuff. But no and like the, uh, her avatar, didn't your avatar have like a dunce cap on after that? Yeah, it I believe did, it was a wuss hat. Oh, but, a wuss hat. Okay, yeah. but I don't think it meant anything as far as I could tell. Yeah, I couldn't tell what it was it doing. Means you're a wuss. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Dan. <laughs> I, I was also reading in the manual that there's like a uh, a shafting mechanic where you can like it's kind of like you don't know Jack with the screw mechanic where you can mm. make the other person answer the question for enhanced penalty. But the game never tells you how to well, do that. Like it moves too quickly to the yeah. point of like it almost feels like there's it's broken. Like there's yeah. just like content is missing. This sort of connecting tissue that actually tells you what's going on. Yeah, like I, I feel bad wanting a game to explain more stuff to me because that's <laughs> always when I start losing interest. Mm-hmm. But I kind of needed it in this game. Yeah, it just... did feel very thin. And the games, the mini games. Uh, the fact that there are mini games in a multiplayer game where only one person would play is obviously stupid. Sure. But there's also uh, there's a thing in Mario Party where sometimes it's one player against the other players or you have different things that you're trying to do. All of the games here where if you're both doing the same mini game, you're just doing the exact same thing. There's no competition aspect to it other than you're both trying to run your numbers up yeah and there's no mode to just like play if you're like oh i do like this mini game i just want to play mini games there was no like mode to just play mini games or just do the questions like again it would be like today spending a hundred (laughs) dollars for 20 minutes of thin content (laughs) yeah yeah. what the hell weird to think this game has no menu like, no, I don't know if I've ever played a game, well, like, since, like, the Atari 2600, <laughs> where, like, you just start. There's a title there, screen. You're like, okay, press A to join however many players you want, but there's no, like, there's not even options of, like, yeah. adjust your sound settings or, like, move the screen right or left, adjust your zero size. Zero accessibility like, for anybody. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's, it's, it, and you're right, Rosie. Like, it would be the easiest thing in the world to just have, like, a minigame selection where yeah. you they just put, give a menu and you can pick one of the 12 mini games and play it. Like all that stuff's already programmed in. Yeah. Right? But like the fact that there's no menu to do that is crazy. Yeah. Or or just a setting. Yeah, just let's just say like okay, I only want to play trivia. It it is weird like 
again, I I don't have any... Pr- I think that this game is a game that can work and would have been very welcome on the Nintendo 64. Um, just like the, so many... If somebody the, who, who cared had programmed it? <laughs> yeah. That's so the big the- thing. There's a there's a definite kind of tossed-off sense to this. Yeah. Like the, uh, the quickest possible cash-in. But in. like even the quickest possible cash-in, especially for the mini-games, like they're drawing from smart sources. Like another game is just a rip-off of RC Pro-Am or Super Off-Road as like yeah. this top-down racer. And like it plays fine and like you're drawing from a thing that I enjoy... But it's so there's just one track and it's so personality list. Yeah. Um, and occasionally you'll just play mini games like the tug of war that feel broken. Yeah. It's like yeah. they're pulling from these successful games that are at this point, you know, 10, 15 years old. Yeah. But then they, they do them worse than all of the original ones. And that's but, the thing. Like, weirdly, I would say the tug of war one is kind of the only one that's just like an outright stinker. Like that I we like, played. I didn't sure. like the frog toss one because I felt like it was so hard to actually it's, gauge anything. Yeah. It, it, yeah. I hit the lily pad and then it would be like, nope, you nope. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, it, that one was a little finicky. Uh, there was, I think, one that we played, Nicole, yesterday that uh, that we didn't get to was the avalanche one where it's like oh. a big wall of snow behind you and you have to slalom ahead of it. What about uh, the cow one? Oh, the cow, the weird stampede I one. Died yeah, immediately. It seemed like there was no chance. Yeah, they don't. They're they're not very. Uh, they're not very generous with the. Uh, it's it's not three two one go. It's three two one and you're dead under a pile of cows. <laughs> <laughs> like it's 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 just like that. So like again, just in, a, a second of breathing room around any of these things. Like just a second in between trivia questions. A second between your countdown and your start of the mini game. Like just a tiny little bit of modification would have helped a lot. Mm-hmm. In the um, when you play Mario Party, if for some reason you choose to play Mario Party <laughs> before the mini game, everybody has a chance to like play out some of the little mechanics in the little mini window there. Yeah. Maybe that's just the more more. Those recent. are newer ones, but yeah. there is a practice round. You there can is a do. practice one, yeah. And there's, I mean, this game does there. does sort of show have that similar screen of showing you the mechanics. But then it's just often not explained very clearly. Yeah, they're like, let's have jokes instead of explaining, because that's what we're here to do. I will say, does this game feel like if you went to an arcade and like there was a super cool like cabinet for this? Like it feels like an arcade game where I'm like, oh, like yeah, we'll play for two minutes. Was like how it felt to me. You know, you <laughs> like, know what well, I. You know what this made me think of is those those weird ubiquitous like single screen things you see on bars that that like you you yes. solve a puzzle and the lady's bikini falls off or something like that. <laughs> yeah. That's kind of where this feels like it would be at home on one of those. Oh yeah. I think what you're saying Rosie is you would pay 25 cents to play this game mm-hmm. which again Adjusted for inflation yes. costs nearly a hundred dollars. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that is what I'm saying. I don't know what arcades you're going to where you're playing games for twenty five cents. Uh, yeah, I think it yeah. sounds well, pretty good. Twenty five cents in nineteen ninety nine. Sure, yeah, for yeah. inflation. 35 cents. <laughs> yeah, okay. That's not even enough to buy a phone card from Carrot Top. Jeez. <laughs> I mean, um, this, yeah. this game like is. I think I'm going to be a lot, I I don't know. I have no idea where everyone's going to fall in the rankings of this, but I feel like I'm probably going to be nicer to it than most of you guys. But I feel like I have the advantage of A, not spending any money on this game. Yeah. And B, only having to play it for less than an hour. Yeah, yeah. Um, Because you're you're totally right. If if I had spent any meaningful amount of money more than $2 on this game. Which I think is about what I spent. I would not not have felt that I had got my money's worth. 
um, especially at full price, because there's just it, it is unbelievable how little content is here. I, I rented this, I remember, when it first came out, and that's about the right level. That's, uh, yeah. that's still way too much. Can still, you, 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 a, this is like you want to go to this real seedy place where they offer hourly rentals, yeah. and you just <laughs> take it to a booth in the back and like stick the cartridge in. And, like, hey, get out of here, buddy. Someone yeah. else wants to play the love shack. Yeah, and you just like are shoveling in quarters to get like, come on, five, two more minutes here. Come on, let's go. Little, I've little, almost little, seen everything. There's a little divider that comes down yeah. between you and the screen. And every once in a while. <laughs> I swear to God, I've never been to one of these establishments. Uh, <laughs> well, uh, I think we can actually move on to our rankings here. Does anyone else have any final things to say about Chef's Love Shack? I think we provided more content just now than the whole game cartridge. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I guarantee the amount of time you've listened to us talking about it is more... You could you'd be able to see everything in the game at this at the same amount of time. I also just appreciated like the raw audacity that they had to put in the credits at every time you finish a game of Chef's Love Shack. <laughs> yeah, like the fact that you can play a two round game of Chef's Love Shack, which takes six minutes, and then it will show you the I don't know the th- five minute credit sequence of the game is yeah. crazy. Yeah, like, yeah, it's absolutely nuts. It's crazy. All right, let's move on to our rankings here. Uh, Each week, we are ranking the games that we have played. This one will bring us up to 291. There are only six Nintendo 64 games left for us to play. Holy shit. Holy crap. (laughs) I can't believe we actually made it. Holy Mr. Hanky. Um... Who would like to start us off this time? What do you want to start sure, us off? Sure, I'll start us off. This game is not going in the upper half, but it's relatively close. Yeah, wow. Um, it's going at number 182, um, which is right below the Rampage games. Okay. Um, Whoa. Whoa. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's below them, Dan. Um, <laughs> right below them? Right yeah, below that's them. Like, you, what do you need? Well, like I said, this game is not good, um, but it did. I just I I like multiplayer games that are fast and simple and get to the point. Um, and this game did this. If you are at a friend's house and you can play it for free and have exhausted many other options of how to spend your time, I wouldn't fault you for it. Uh, Nicole, you have played a whopping 28 games with us on this show, mostly sports games. And I, I need to say again, I love you. Um, <laughs> where are you ranking this one? Uh, let's see. So it goes in at number 23, um, which is right above, um, Nagano Winter Olympics and right below the new Tetris. Man, so, I'm really nostalgic for the Nagano Winter Olympics episode. Somehow, yeah. I just have like very vivid at- memories of us playing that game together and like being baffled by how to ice skate. And, like, like you know, I don't know, I don't know. Jumping. That that felt like to me like that was the true first episode of Ultra Sixty Four. Yeah. I think we need to break that one out again sometime yeah. soon. Yeah, was, that was such a frustrating game. I think <laughs> yeah. that's why I put this above it because it was at least like. I don't know. It didn't take too much of my time. Or <laughs> thought, you know. Put it on the box, people. <laughs> Chef's Love Shack. It didn't take too much of my time. Yeah. Perfect. Uh, how about, let's go to Dan. Uh, Dan, where are you going on this? Currently, your number one game, I'm so sorry, is Rampage 2 Universal Tour. <laughs> your very bottom game sorry, is Star Wars Episode so 1, Battle for Naboo. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, where's this going for you? I am going to put this one... Um, I know every time we play Mario Party, I apologize that Mario Party has to be so high on the list <laughs> because I hate Mario Party. <laughs> I really hate Chef's Love Shack. I am putting it down 
Uh, we played a lot of baseball games, yeah. uh, and I don't really remember them all, but I do remember Mike Piazza's strike zone essentially being unplayably bad. Yes, so correct. It, Your memory is correct. At uh, number, okay, uh, I'm just, I, what's my number? Uh, number sixteen, mm-hmm. uh, which would make it uh, right after Triple Play two thousand, right above Mike Piazza's strike zone. Ooh, bottom uh, three. <laughs> it is. It is playable. Uh, but not worth your effort. And Rosie, you son of a bitch, you have Donkey uh, Kong 64 at number one. You have Mario Party 1 as number two, and then just a whole cavalcade of amazing games in between. Where is this one going? Uh, yeah, I don't really need to look at the list. It's at the bottom. <laughs> it's uh, at the bottom. I really should have come on this episode and just like walked away a champion uh, from Ultra 64, but instead I showed up and now... My list is sullied with this oh, garbage. Ruined forever. Ruined forever. <laughs> As for me, uh, I'm I'm similar to Woody, a little lower. I'm putting this at number 191. That's going to be underneath Nightmare Creatures and above WCW slash NWO Revenge. One of the wrestling games I don't remember. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, it's... This is better than the other two South Park games on the system. I feel like if you're if you're really hard up to play 90s era South Park video games for some reason, this is the one to reach for. Sure. Uh, right after you reach for that BetterHelp subscription. Yeah. Um, BetterHelp, sponsoring our show, not yet, but maybe, I don't know. Right after you decide to take a nap. Exactly. I, uh, I really, you know what? I'm going to say I hate those better help advertisements on podcasts yeah. because like I try to listen to podcasts like to ease my mind and like to like find comfort in things. Mm-hmm. And like halfway through the podcast, they're like, are you stressed out by the state of the world? I'm like, yes, I am. That's why I'm listening to this podcast. <laughs> oh like, gosh. stop reminding me of getting therapy. Like, <laughs> I, I have a podcast I listen to that does that. And the person has a cat that meows like halfway through it. And it, I'm always walking outside in the dark like, on my oh. way to work and this cat meows and it always freaks me out. So, yeah, I don't like those either. <laughs> All right. We have a bunch of awesome letters this week. This uh, one this comes w- from Isaac Hayes, writing from Beyond <laughs> wow. the Grave. Ooh. Uh, this first one starts Stephen and Woodard. They got oh. our full names. Uh, yeah, right. perfect. Woodard Siskowski second. Let me just adjust my monocle here. Oh, oh, careful now, good lad. Uh, A few episodes back, you mentioned Nintendo Power and how generous they were in their reviews. (laughs) Hearing this, I decided to pull out my old collection and was rifling through some issues from 2005. I confirm that the rules, the reviews are incredibly soft, not just on first-party Nintendo games, but even for a lot of the garbage licensed games based on cartoons or movies that were so common during the GameCube GBA era. Here are some highlights I discovered in my research. Nice. Uh, Strawberry Shortcake Summertime Adventure on Game Boy Advance. A storybook look in classic platformer play makes Summertime Adventure a solid title for those who just can't get enough Strawberry Shortcake. (laughs) I think that's all. Which is a big cross section of the Nintendo Power readers. Yes, yeah, there must be. Like, ooh, man. Uh, Lemony Snicket's A Series of Unfortunate Events on GameCube. Inventive gameplay and a dark illustrative <laughs> Inve- art yeah, style. Yeah, you gotta look for these code trigger words. It's like it's like a it's like a non harmful form of dog whistling yeah, yeah, yeah. of like <laughs> inventive gameplay. Yeah, and I was reading old uh, NES Nintendo powers for like Abadox and like unplayable space shooters. And, oh like, yeah, yeah. They're like high skill ceiling. Like <laughs> really test your abilities and like you're saying this game is unplayably hard. It's is what, yeah, yeah, what it is. Yeah. So this one has in- inventive gameplay and a dark illustrative art style. Make this a great game. The pacing variety control are spot on uh robots based on the 2005 movie uh 
with clever puzzles, lots of fun gizmos, and lots of fun gizmos, the game <laughs> represents the film well and provides an entertaining play experience. Uh, I would imagine that part of the reason Nintendo Power is so nice to hot garbage like this is because of how few games were coming out for the GameCube yeah. at this point in time. Uh, come to think of it, Nintendo Power is probably one of the reasons I bought so many mediocre or flat-out bad games during this era, especially during those long droughts and good games. Remember Deadly Creatures on the Wii? Yikes. No. Nope. Uh, I do remember that. <laughs> That's one that we want to talk about. It stars Billy Bob Thornton, and you play as either a scorpion or a rattlesnake. Okay. What? So, Some uh, folks call it a sling blade. <laughs> <laughs> so, so glad that Nintendo finally figured it out with the Switch and has been able to deliver so much quality gaming over these last few, few years. Well, let's be clear. Like, there's a lot of garbage on the Switch. You just don't have a magazine true. telling you, uh, like, it's softballing you stuff. Yeah, it, the reviews have gotten a little more uh, 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 selective. Thank you guys for all the great content you make, and I'm very much looking forward to the Wii U podcast and all of the forced gamepad nonsense that will ensue. <laughs> sure. All the best, and that's from Dan on in uh, Washington, D.C. Okay. So thank you, Dan. Thank you for digging those up for me. I always love reading old reviews from that era. Yeah. And I'm definitely picking up that strawberry shortcake. Yeah. <laughs> uh, this next one starts, I found this as a draft back in June and realized I never sent it. Oh. Uh, a Wii U show after Ultra 64 would be great. <laughs> uh, good news. Uh, during this pandemic, I've gone through a bunch of my backlog. I'm talking Game Boy, Game Boy Advance, Game Boy Color, GameCube, Wii, Wii U, and many more of my consoles. Wow. I'm very OCD about beating games, and I beat a lot of them while fun employed. I was actually uh, sure. beating Sonic Transformed when you guys mentioned it in the bonus Mario Kart episode. Going back through the one through some Wii U games that I never really got around to before definitely reminded me that it has been it has quite a few hidden gems. Of course, there's also a lot of garbage, but I feel like you two are prepared for it. Yeah, <laughs> keep up. The, we, we've been training for this. Yeah, uh, keep up the good work and stay safe. We aren't through the pandemic yet, and that is from Mike Stefano. Thanks, Mike. Thanks for sending that. Uh, late, Mike. Jeez. <laughs> You're on a deadline here. You're like the great. Uh, what, what was the bit that Johnny Carson did where he would hold up the the, the Karnak? Car yeah, Karnak. Karnak. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He he Got predicted it. <laughs> Steve, what was that bit that uh, they did in the old vaudeville routines where Groucho would like? Oh, yeah. that was Moskowitz and Jimmy. Yeah, exactly. I don't know. <laughs> Oh, the next letter starts. Greetings, Woody and Steve. And, uh, and guests. Now we have so many we guests. We have so many <laughs> guests and nobody's saying and guests this uh, time. Uh, uh, after listening to your final, final hockey episode, I was inspired <laughs> to look up what sorts of hockey games uh, were made in that era of gaming. After a long rabbit hole of searching, I actually discovered a trove of hockey gaming related trivia, and I thought I'd share it with you if you found it interesting. We don't. Yeah, we do too. <laughs> okay. Here, here are some of the hockey hockey video game factoids I've learned. Final Fantasy VIII actually has a rare hockey player monster enemy, uh, only found in one location of the game as an encounter in the ice rink of the enemy's school. The hockey players take up different formations and attack you by hitting you with their hockey sticks. And it's unclear if they're demons or in hockey gear or just the rival team fighting for their school's honor. Let me be clear here. Mm -hmm. That's a Final Fantasy VIII trivia. Like if you went to your sports bar and was like, hey, I got some hockey trivia for you guys. Which Final Fantasy game? All the guys there who went for hockey trivia would be pissed. Get out of here. Yeah. I'm trying to play Chef's Love Shack on the bar here. <laughs> so during uh, number two, during the height of popularity, uh, Wayne Gretzky was actually made a secret character in some versions of the arcade fighting game Tekken 3. Whoa. In some arcade cabinets sold in Canada, Gretzky was programmed as simply Hockey Star as a costume swap for breakdancing character Eddie Gordo. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, Namco didn't bother to get the rights to Gretzky's licenses and our likeness, 
And after a cease and desist letter, Namco was forced to recall most of these arcade ca cabinets, making the Gretzky version of this arcade game extremely rare. In all future versions, he was replaced instead by a disco dancer. That okay, that's you got good, me. That's, that's a, a fun fact. fact. <laughs> Another uh, questionable hockey fact, but a definite fun fact. True, true. It's, uh, next one. Uh, hockey games are notoriously unpopular in Japan, and just like some Japanese games don't make it to Western markets, hockey games were often never released in Japan. In fact, in one early case, the Super NES hit the ice was translated into Japanese as Furu Bisu no Supa Hoku Ganbare, or Bases Loaded Super Hockey Go, in Whoa. the hopes that making the game sound like a baseball game would boost sales. <laughs> that is so dirty. Like, like, what bases are so there? So many hockey? disappointed children. <laughs> There's not even anything that you could like generously describe as a base. Yeah, yes. yeah. That's there's nothing. There's a there's a net. I, I guess like the the uh, I was gonna say the dugout, but like the <laughs> penalty box or like behind the glass where all the teams have to sit before they get on the ice. That's like their base. Like if they were all like, <laughs> their uh, base. yeah, that's their yeah. home base. It's like okay, teams, back to home base, and then you meet in the battlefield in the center. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, the next one, uh, the word puck is a recent creation and actually owes itself to video games. Before or 1988, the black circle was actually called a plastic chuck, or more commonly as just a chuck, hence why chucking something means to hit it away from you at high speeds. However, the Japanese makers of the NES game Blades of Steel were not experts on hockey nomenclature and instead abbreviated plastic chuck into puck in the manual of the game. This little bit of mistranslation soon took off with the success of Blades of, uh, Blades of Steel in America, since many young kids in the U.S. also didn't know the correct term for the Chuck. Eventually, the term spread to Canada and the rest of the world, and Chuck is now rarely heard. Interesting wow. if true. Interesting if true. And one more. Throughout the N64 era, it was rumored that a Mario hockey game would surface, but no such game ever did. Mm -hmm. This is usually attributed to Shigeru Miyamoto's dislike of the sport <laughs> and his phobia of ice. But in 2020, as part of a larger Nintendo League, unsourced footage of a polygonal Mario punching Yoshi on what looks like an ice ring surfaced, <laughs> suggesting that the game got further through development than anyone thought. Anyway, thanks as always for the great podcast. I hope we all learned something today, and that is from our friend Aaron. Thank so, you, Aaron. You you won me you, over. I was I was when you said I have hockey facts for you. I was cranky, but they were actually pretty fun hockey facts. They're good hockey facts, right? I will yeah. say you can basically tell me any hockey facts, and I will believe them because I don't know anything about hockey. So are so those scammers, real? Or are they not? Use that to get Rosie's credit card number somehow. <laughs> Hello, I'm the prince of hockey, and I need some money to get well, out of jail. I yes. guess you do. You, you're off your home base, so I gotta. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god okay we have one last letter here thank you everybody for writing in i love getting these letters uh this one starts hey part of me thinks that the only reason hockey we've, we've I, gotten we've gotten real efficient here it's just hey hey we don't know who we're writing to i think actually the hey was me i wrote that in because there was no uh, oh, salutation. Sure. so just so i'm not you know uh, part of me thinks that the only reason hockey gained so much national prominence in the 90s was because of those Mighty Duck movies. Mm -hmm. At least it got me, a person who lives in the region of South Louisiana, who, uh, uh, who, who where a puddle might freeze over every few years, <laughs> to buy two hockey sticks, a sack full of pucks, and a net. I also only during that decade uh, knew every NHL team and mascot, along with every, team stars every team's star players. Blah. Like most people, I played the crap out of NHL 94 and picked up several others uh, years later in the series on PC. 
After a while, all the games started to feel the same and the fire went out, or I guess you could say the ice <laughs> melted. Uh, I haven't played another hockey game since Gretzky 3D Hockey for the N64. I've only watched one World Cup in the last 20 years. I guess they need to make another Mighty Ducks movie. Sure. Uh, <laughs> which, good luck. Good, congratulations. There is going to be a new Mighty Ducks series they just announced this week on Disney+. Whoa. Plus. Wow. Oh, Emilio Estevez yeah. is coming back. Oh, they're bringing back Emilio Estevez. The Estevez? The Est is back. <laughs> Uh, it says, also, I'm so excited about the Wii U show announcement. I think it's lovely and highly underrated system that was just terribly marketed. I've made many great memories playing Wii U games with my son. And since the Switch nice. was released, I still go back to the Wii U every Christmas break to finish a Wii U game I missed the first time through. This break, I'm playing Paper Mario Color Splash and loving it. Nice. We'll miss the N64 coverage, but this new show will be great. And that is from Nick, a.k.a. The Nick Experiment. So thank you. Thank you, nice. Nick. We appreciate that. That is all yeah. the letters this week. Good uh, letters. These are great Ooh. letters. I love it. I learned a lot about hockey. Yeah. I learned a lot about Final Fantasy VIII. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I just I learned a lot in general. It, it pushed out the flavor of Shuff's Love Shack from our minds. <laughs> <laughs> a game I, I, do, I do have an update from the internet. I, I looked up the uh, etymology of puck, uh, which, of course, primary meaning is uh, from Shakespeare, meaning the whatever mythical that creature guy. from uh from uh, midsummer night's dream uh, no it yeah. goes back to 1891 uh it's use meaning the thing you hit with a hockey stick so oh. uh Dan, did you just come on to be a, a pedant? I, I just, well, somebody, nice somebody took some writer. time to we write We know what we're getting when we invite Dan. Know, they're getting their information. So, Are yeah, you saying I'm, Aaron George would propagate a un untrue fun fact? If Was I, that an Aaron George letter? I think so. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, Whenever you hear well, a list of facts oh, of questionable oh, trueness, it's from Aaron okay, George. Yeah. All right. So just so people know, that is a known fake fact person, yeah. but like in the fun fake <laughs> fact way, you know how like it used to be fun to have fake facts? Yeah. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then that kind of got ruined recently. Oh. But yeah. um, Dan, but I just I would like you to describe the meme that you just sent me on uh, on Messenger. Oh, I'll, I'll put um, this up on the Facebook. Uh, on the I, I Facebook like this a lot. Group. Uh, but yeah, no, it's uh, there's a, a meme meme uh, uh, format where Obama is giving himself a medal, and uh, <laughs> I gave it the uh, the the caption that it's Nintendo Power uh, giving itself stellar ratings for Nintendo games. Yeah, here to explain all your memes. I just uh, I wanted <laughs> to up, I wanted to up my meme game to be doing them during the actual recording of the episode. Well, so that's that pretty I, impressive because first. I think the two things that always play on podcasts: a physical humor, uh, b memes. Yeah, I think yeah. they work. They work great on the audio yeah. format. I think people love it. <laughs> yeah, people can't see all the like amazing pratfalls I'm doing in the background this whole time. But, oh like, my god, it's she's, she's, wearing a, a, she's a, a regular Moskowitzian gym. <laughs> You guys, thank you so so much for uh, for enduring this. All of you guys, you've you've been our uh, uh, designated party people since the beginning, and we really appreciate it. Uh, Nicole, thank you for living with me once again uh, and and tolerating me even after I make you play these games. Um, Rosie, Dan, Nicole, anybody have anything to plug or mention or anything that they should check out? Just just, just generally safe, just generally being cool people and having a happy holidays. Yep. yep. <laughs> All right, everybody. Well, we are going to be back next week, uh, hopefully to get the taste of this game out of our mouth, even though this one didn't taste all that bad. It's like, it was, like chocolate salty balls, kind of, yeah. which, are, which are not too bad. Um, <laughs> but we're going to be playing the game Mission Impossible, should we choose to accept it. 
Uh, I'm excited to get into that yeah. one. Uh, we've we've got a guest coming on who is attempting the world speedrun record of that game. Billy Whoa. Mitchell. Billy Mitchell, <laughs> the Mitch Man, the the the, the Mister. He always he always has a plan. Him and Ethan Hunt. That's two things that they have in common. <laughs> that and bitch and long hair. Yeah. Uh, all right, everyone. So tune in next week for Mission Impossible, and we will see you then. Bye. Mix in a cup of flour You'll be in heaven soon Say everybody haven't seen my balls They're big and salty and brown If you ever need a quick pick me up Just stick my balls in your mouth Ooh, suck on my chocolate salted balls Stick them in your mouth and suck them Suck on my chocolate salted balls They're fat full of vitamins and good for you So suck on my balls